she's not weird. She needs to be fixed. And great news. We have designed this TV show to fix her. I I discovered way back with Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump that this country loves disabled characters as long as they're played by conventionally attractive, abled actors. Episode 17, Wednesday is Autistic? Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Well, hey, Matt, today's episode has a surprising question mark. I am calling it Wednesday's Autistic. And uh, we are going to chat about whether or not the new Adams Family spinoff Wednesday is uh, an example of autistic culture and is part of our autistic culture. As we go into this, I have two questions for you. Number one, have you seen it? Number two, do you have an opinion on my question mark? I must confess, I have not seen it because I've been hearing from day one how incredibly autistic it is and how it's everything about it is autistic and how quirky and all the dance scene and everything. So my PDA has kicked in and I said, oh, I can't possibly watch that. (laughs) So you're like, I will demand avoid this. Wait, don't don't you have another acronym for PDA? Uh, yeah, uh, a persistent demand avoidance. No, that's the uh, real persistent one. Persistent demand for autonomy. Uh, a persistent demand for that, autonomy. There you go. So, in your persistent demand for autonomy, you have avoided our good friend Wednesday. I have, and and that's the thing. I like the Adams Family. I love the old series. I love the Raul Julia movies. I I love the Adams Family as a concept, and I do agree that they're neurodivergent, mm-hmm. but. Uh, everyone say I, I love Tim Burton's work yeah but again it's just also autistic I mean he is yeah, actually yeah. out as an autistic like publicly yeah, yeah exactly good and news so, we should love this why is yeah. there a question mark that's that's the question about it I just uh when whenever anyone tells me oh yes that's absolutely autistic I automatically have pause because again in this field 
this is the reason why I have to do evaluations before I see people for therapy, mm-hmm. because inevitably there's going to be someone who comes in, they're a misdiagnosed person with some sort of schizophreniform disorder or narcissism or something, because the person who diagnosed them saw that they didn't make eye contact or saw that they didn't have empathy or some weird Or saw that they crap. did make eye contact, God exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, because I just, I don't know, the, I... I there's so much pressure on this. I, I can't bring myself to do it. Uh, I know that it's there and I can watch it whenever I want, but I just have not. Well, I so. am bringing you here to this forum. I think your PDA has a hunch behind it. And mm. so we're going to explore that hunch. And at the end of this, you might want to watch it even more. We'll see. Um, but I but I think I know where that demand avoidance is coming from. Not just people telling you it's awesome, you should watch. Um, but I think you might be on to something. So I'm going to try and dig into this. But I want to go back first. You mentioned the original Adams Family. Um, Adams Family was created by cartoonist Charles Chaz Adams with two Ds. Not surprisingly, did you know the creator was actually a member of the Adams family? That, that, yeah, that is fantastic. I like that. 1938. So wow. his idea, I know, I didn't know this. New Yorker magazine, he was a cartoonist for the New Yorker magazine, and he wanted to have an, an inversion to the ideal American family. That, that's a cool concept. Especially in the 30s. Right? Pretty cutting edge. Um, So we got the parents, Gomez and Morticia, the children, Wednesday and Pugsley. Wednesday's the older daughter, and that's who's going to be the focus of our episode today. And then they've got the staff, people that work in the family. We have Thing, the hand that you will remember, Cousin It with the hair in front of his eyes, Uncle Fester, Grandmama, Lurch. I loved Lurch. Lurch was my favorite growing up. Oh, oh yes. Um, the TV show, which was the spinoff from the New Yorker cartoon, um, actually premiered in 1964. So I know you're a youngin. I am surprised you saw that one. Did you catch that one on reruns? Where did you see that? I think it was Nick at Night. Oh, yeah, that's some Nick at Night action right there. I, I yeah. There was a period, I think it ran on um, MTV as well. Oh, probably so, so yeah. It's gotten, it's gotten done. Then in 92, closer to your generation of television viewing, there was an animated series. Do you remember that one? I, I miss the animated series. That one uh, went over my head. I remember it briefly because they used the same designs as the New Yorker and uh, an episode of Scooby-Doo where Scooby-Doo met the Adams family. Oh, nice. Good memory. I love me some Scooby-Doo. Uh, only ran for a couple of years. Then we had uh, our girl Christina Ricci as Wednesday in the new Adams family, uh, which was like in the late 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Christina Ritchie fan? Did we uh, see that? Did we have PDA there or we were we were in I, with Christina? I really, really liked the Christina Ricci movies. Uh, I, I thought for a while that uh, the, the director, oh man, I'm blanking on the director's name. Uh, I, I thought for a while that he might be autistic, but again, research into it suggests that Barry, Barry Sonnefeld. Sonnefeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah he is definitely not. Uh, no. Totally opposite yeah but yeah i i did like both uh, adam's family and adam's family values adam's family values was very very countercultural neurodivergent friendly mm. uh i really really enjoyed it 
I saw that on a weird date, so I don't really remember much about it. <laughs> oh. It's a weird date. Um, so, and then there's uh, an Adam's Family spinoff, more recent, 2019, Adam's Family 2, 2021. I don't know how many Adam's Families there are. There's a lot. That's a franchise. Chaz Adams, I hope you set up your estate planning really well and you're making, your your grandchildren are making lots of money. Um, I'm very impressed that it's a franchise that's lasted about 100 years at this 100 point. 100 years. I mean, it's like, wow. okay, all right. So um, Wednesday came out November 23rd, 2022. And that means it is almost 60 days that you have been in pathological demand avoidance. (laughs) And I am with you because I am now going to admit I watched two and a half episodes and I watched them this morning before recording this because it felt immoral to do this episode without watching it. But I too have been in pathological demand avoidance about this and I cannot figure out why because I don't, I like, I like Christina Ricci. I like the Adams family, had a little crush on Lurch. Like I really, I even saw they're all the same to me. I don't know. Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy, somebody interviewing Jenna Ortega. And who that girl's hot. She's a very pretty girl. And I watched every minute of that interview. I don't really remember what she said because I was looking at her mouth, which is extraordinary. But um, I had this feeling as I was watching that interview, because I'm like trying to get myself excited to watch Wednesday. I've been trying to watch this show for like two months and I can't watch it. I feel and I'm the like, same way. What is wrong with me? I like the Adams family. This girl is hot. These two things let me watch this program. Uh, Jenna Ortega was from You. She was in You. She was in X. Um, she's been Just doing going stuff. By movies based on letters. Yeah, I guess so. no. It's Y O U. So three letters. <laughs> okay. There. Yeah. But um, but she uh has also you mentioned this, and this was on that Jimmy late night show. I can't remember which Jimmy. Um, but she did this dance that went viral on TikTok as Wednesday and people love it. And then in this interview, they show it. So they're interviewing her and they're showing this dance and they're talking about her craft as an actor. And there's nothing, maybe there's something wrong with this. I'm just going to observe this. As I am watching, I am like, this lovely woman is absolutely not autistic. Now, I don't even diagnose people professionally and I certainly wasn't diagnosing her, but I was like, there's nothing about this that feels autistic to me about her interview, about her, even about the way it's interesting. um, We did a Sherlock episode and I watched a bunch of Benedict Cumberbatch batch um, interviews. And he was like, I am absolutely not playing this character autistic. Like I know what autism is. I'm playing this motherfucker as a sociopath. And I'm like, okay, that's at least a choice. Yeah. She she wasn't making a choice. She's not required to play it as autistic, but everyone's saying it. it's such an autistic character. And I'm watching this dance and I'm watching her and I'm like, okay, I'm not feeling, okay. I'm not feeling like they cast an autistic in this role, which is worth noting because the um, director, producer, showrunner, maker, I don't know who he is, Tim Burton. We'll just go with Overlord. Overlord, for sure, is autistic. Yes. And so he 
you know, could have cast an autistic person, in the, an out autistic person in the role. Um, might not have been as hot as Jenna Ortega. But um, he produced the show, he directed four of eight episodes, and he does identify as autistic. Um, and we should do a show on Tim Burton one day. I think Beetlejuice oh, is like a great, like full-on autistic culture. Um, but Wednesday, I did not know this until I was researching this episode, Overtake overtook Stranger Things as the most viewed show on Netflix. 341 wow. million hours of watch time. That, that means it will be the only series this year to get a second season. Neat. It, did, it just got renewed, I think, this week. Oh, so there you go. It did, it did get a second season. And um, like... If there's 342 million hours of view time, this is not just autistic people watching it. Yeah, like, yeah. We got we got a big community of people that love this show. I will admit I am not one of them. Although I didn't hate it. It's a perfectly fine show. I um it's adequate. Yeah, no, no, no. It's cute. It's super cute. It's super yeah. cute. Um, okay, so there are a lot of autistic traits in the character of Wednesday. And I want you to talk about this because a lot of times people see an autistic trait or see something they don't think is an autistic trait, and then they will try and diagnose people. And so a lot of people talk about Wednesday as autistic, and I think it's because of these traits. So here are some of the things we see in the show. Uh, there are scenes where she specifically comments on not liking physical touch. People are trying to hug her and she is annoyed by this. Mm -hmm. uh, she struggles to interpret emotions. Oh, and I have a really good quote. She actually says, um, it's not my fault. I can't interpret your emotional Morse code, which <laughs> I will say is been there, felt that. I, so I, I do like that. I, I, I relate to that. A lot has been written about the filmmaking behind, um, you don't see her blink. Yes, yes. So they, they like edited out the blinks. And then there's something, and maybe you know about this, but it's like asynchronous blinking. Like when she blinks, it's not the right time. It's not when holistics would blink. What, yeah. what is the blinking thing? Uh, I, I think, think I that it has to do with thing. dystonia. But Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's some whole blinking thing that they did to make her look autistic um, or have this autistic trait. Uh, she has a, she, I don't think she has an autistic accent. But, I don't either. I, oh, I've I seen don't it. think it at all. No. No. But they keep saying she has a, a monotone voice. She, she's very deadpan. She's uh, what, I, uh, because again, they, there are two kinds of autistic coded characters like that. The manic pixie dream girl trope and the deadpan pixie dream girl trope. And she falls into that with like April Ledgate from Parks and Rec. And mm. yeah, it, the, the, the emotionless, the monotone speech. This is very much a, a Rain Man and Sheldon Cooper-esque sort of trope for autistic coding. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's like uh, all, every single time we see monotone, it doesn't mean like that person's autistic. Oh, they're monotone. Yeah. Oh, they don't make eye contact. Oh, like it's not, they're not check marks like that. Yeah. 
it, it very much better fits into one of Tim Burton's special interests is German impressionist cinema, uh, specifically like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And uh, again, everything in those films is clearly black and white. Again, our, our, our trope mm. of black and white thinking. But that's mm. the thing. Her monotone speech comes from that lack of color in speech like uh whatever the roommate is the the blonde colorful one yeah yeah Uh, yeah, very very much in contrast to the manic pixie dream girl trope so yeah there you go i love that you were on it you're like i haven't seen it but what's her roommate's name (laughs) exactly yeah because uh again with all the promotion and with everything that's come up across social media i can't avoid it and Mm -hmm. i think that's why i'm doing my best to avoid it because (laughs) i'm being force-fed hey look you should really like this thing and it's totally you and i'm Uh like I'm going to go dig a hole and stay in it. Thanks. Uh, which hiding, actually I'm makes hiding. me, which probably makes me relate more to Wednesday than I'd care to admit. But there anyway, you as you were saying, oh, the irony. Yeah, Wednesday would not watch the show for sure. Exactly. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, okay. Last thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe not the last thing, but next thing. Um, she's at this school, which is sort of like Hogwarts. It's called Nevermore Academy. There's a monster, sort of like he whose name shall not be spoken. Um, and she's obsessed with solving the mystery. So hyperfixation, maybe, maybe monotropism a little bit. She's definitely into figuring out who the monster of Nevermore is. So yeah. the we'll mo- give her that. Hogwarts is taking growing. So yeah, uh, it's, it's good to find these monsters. Yeah. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. So, um, okay, so let's see, did I miss any of these flat? tone, doesn't smile, narrow interest, doesn't like to be touched, uh, a uniquely stimmy way of dancing, maybe. I've seen the people on TikTok are repeating this dance and I, I've seen the flailing arms and the spinning and the, 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 the coordination and all this other stuff. And I can see where, you know, there are a lot of autistic people who dance to stim. Uh, a lot of people seek vestibular stimulation, proprioceptive stimulation. This, those are indeed autistic traits, but this is a very gigantically choreographed scene. And I, I don't know. I just, Wednesday has never struck me as a character that would be into the study of interpretive dance. Right. And I don't know. It just, doesn't uh, seem stimmy to me, but that's what they say. Yeah. One thing I will say, there's like, she has a therapist who she thinks is an idiot. She's kind of an idiot. She has like the, the head of the school. There's all these like figures of authority and you have to earn her respect. Even like the head, the girl who's the most popular girl, like she does not bow to hierarchy, which I do, I do like think. That. Yep. I do think that's an autistic thing. Um, there is a scene, uh, but they kind of 
F it up. But there is a scene where she seems to imply she's asexual and aromantic, um, which is part of the LGBTQIA family. Um, and we are have a higher percentage of queer folks um, in that. So, okay, we got a little thing there. Um, she definitely hates small talk. There's like a um, scene where she's fencing with the really pretty girl who's the most popular girl. And she tries to do small talk at the beginning. And she's like, can we just fence? Like, she's like, I'm not doing the small talk BS. Um, so, and she she's super direct, definitely doesn't care about fitting in, trying to find this monster hide so there's definitely some autistic traits in that cluster. So I want you to talk to like, when you're doing a diagnosis, is there any time like one trait would make you say, yes, this person is autistic? Are you checking off traits? Uh, all the time. And so there's a lot more to being autistic than just the DSM because the DSM is very much based on neurotypical observation of young white cisgender boys, and it doesn't take into account a lot of other presentations. And there's there's sometimes when somebody might not have a, a trait, but have other traits, because this is, again, a spectrum thing. One of the biggest things that I notice uh, is especially the autistic accent, autistic body language, autistic, uh, because again, so Neurotypical body language is very, very different from autistic body language. Autistic body language is a very, very stimmy, very much based on proprioceptive. For the people watching us on YouTube, you'll notice that I rock back and forth a lot. I move around. I sway. I, I'm very flowy like that. And even holistic people have a natural sort of flow to the body language. Traumatized autistic people tend to be on lockdown through mm. the entire evaluation because at some point someone has told them that they are wrong to move. So they, they put their body in a parking brake. And it, that is one thing that leads to burnout because there's constant stress, constant performance issues, that kind of stuff. Uh, if someone does speak with the autistic accent, defined here as monotropic, uh, as monotone, uh, disjointed, pedantic speech with tangential conversation and difficulty modulating breathing as you speak. That's a thing. But again, let's say that you have uh, an autistic actor portraying an autistic character, like uh, I believe in Ghostbusters Afterlife, mm -hmm. where uh, it, it really seems like McKenna Grace is one of us because that accent comes so naturally. And it's such a fantastic example. But Jenna Ortega, being an holistic actor, interpreting what may be explicitly coded in some you know version as autistic, it's not going to come across the same way. It's not going to come across Even as... Even if Tim Burton is saying to her, like, now make your speech more pedantic. It seems yeah. like it's directed and she's doing it. Yeah. It, it's very forced. And the, the the rhythm of autistic speech for those, listen, for instance, <clears throat> when I act neurotypical, I change my voice entirely. It's slow and it's smooth. And I pause at commas and at periods. And I go up and down to keep the interest of the listener. <laughs> but when I talk autistically, I talk kind of fast, I'm talking flat and I get a whole bunch of stuff out at once and I <gasps> have to breathe in no sense because I forget to breathe and I, words, and then other times I'm incredibly eloquent because I have a great vocabulary. Or but you're in a thing. flow. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, I might go off on tangents and talk about all the stuff that we talk about. But that's the thing. None of that is present here. It's just straight up deadpan, which is, again, sort of a uh, an in-jokey sort of thing to say, oh, look, here is a perfectly normal thing. And here is the contrast. Here is mm-hmm. a perfectly normal thing. Here is the contrast. And so again, I asked... I asked in the Autistic Connections Facebook group, and we'll put a link if you want to join us over there. Um, But I asked if people felt represented by her voice, by these traits. I asked other autistic people, like, is this you? And there were a lot of people that commented on, um, this is like exactly me in high school. She was me in high school. This was me in high school. I remember thinking that about, did you ever see the... Uh, Pixar, The Incredibles, and Violet. Violet is like the gothy older. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that was me in high school. So there is something that autistic people click with. Also, the other thing they commented was, I think this shows more about trauma, like a traumatized autistic person than an autistic person. So that's interesting. Lizzie King, who's one of the group members over there, they said, I love how her face is only expressive when she's genuinely delighted and she doesn't force it otherwise. My soul feels represented by her direct and exact speech. It's how I think, but not how I let myself speak because social consequences. She is delighted by having a mystery to solve and I have the same reaction when there's a conundrum in my life. Neat. Yeah, I thought so too. Representation is good. And like, it's fun to see that was me in high school or ooh, that she, there's a thing where she tells a story to Enid, who's her roommate about a, um, I don't know, a guinea pig or some shit that she had a pet that died. There was some pet trauma. Sorry, but she was obviously very connected to this pet and very traumatized by the way she lost the pet. And if you listen to the show, go ahead and put it in the comments. I forgot to remember, but I did watch the episode. Um, And so that like trauma informs some of the decisions she's made, which for a lot of us and women can be better at this maybe than guys. But that is what Lizzie said is like, oh, I don't let myself act this way because of social consequences. For her, she went the other way. So like Wednesday is not masking. She's like kind of telling everyone to fuck off. So uh, Betsy, who is in the group, said, I felt so seen watching Wednesday more than any other show or movie I have ever watched. I was Wednesday as a teen and Enid, our pixie dream girl, was my mask. Watching their friendship and character growth was so cathartic for me, like an eight episode version of the years of work I've done to help my inner and outer self learn to love and appreciate each other. It's now one of my comfort shows to watch over and over. And I finally feel like someone gets me. That's fantastic. Right? See, I told you, you might want to watch it. So, so their representation is good. Like, the representation means a lot. Somebody else in the group either said this, I could not track down the quote. Someone either said it, but I commented and then I couldn't find the original comment. So I, if it's you that I am not um, giving credit to for this, um, I apologize. I looked for it. 
but um, they said it's an holistics view of an autistic. Ooh. And that hit me. So it's like, this is how holistics see autistic people. And that happens a lot in media because, it's, it's, again, you have like Sheldon Cooper and Rain Man, even though Rain Man wasn't autistic in real life, he was a savant, and that's a totally different thing. But you have the the, the holistic gaze. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is a tricky, tricky thing because even though, because again, there, there is that whole weird and quirky thing and we are often labeled as weird and quirky before we are formally diagnosed as autistic, if we are formally diagnosed or before we find out that we are autistic through other means. But that's the thing about media because autistic characters can only be as autistic as the creators. And when you have an holistic writer, an holistic director, an holistic actor, there's even if the character specifically says, yes, I am autistic, that you can only go so far in authentic representation. That's why Chloe Hayden's representation on uh, what is the show that she's on? Uh, oh, man, uh, the, the uh, another high school, Heartland High. Uh, another one that I have in my list that I need to watch. But again, everyone says, oh, hey, it's so great. But she is authentically autistic in real life. And when the 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 writers and directors were casting the show, they specifically said that this character is, quote, neurodivergent. And she said, well, I'm autistic in real life, so I'm going to bring that to the character. So the character became autistic in the show. So it's very, very authentic autistic representation. Uh, so the show uh, Everything's Gonna Be Okay uh, has a lot of authentic autistic representation. Two of the actresses were uh, hired specifically because they are autistic, playing autistic characters. And the 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 lead guy, the guy who created the show, uh, wanted to make a show about autistic characters. He is queer. He wanted to make a show about a queer dude with an autistic sister and an autistic best friend. And the more he went through this, the more he learned about it. He said, oh, crap, I think I'm autistic. Then uh-huh. went and got tested. And it turns out he's autistic. So in retrospect, his character in the show is authentically autistic on the show, but not coded as autistic until the end. But in retrospect, he's always been coded as as autistic, making it the most authentic representation of an autistic character ever because he was just written as quirky originally because he said, huh, I'm a quirky dude. I'm going to play a quirky character. And they said, shit, I'm autistic. So then the show says, oh, hey, I'm going to go and get a diagnosis. In the show, his character gets a diagnosis and the show, the character becomes autistic out. And and that's that's the way that this usually goes. So rather than a cluster of traits defining a character, like the social awkwardness, like the repetitive movements, like the stimming, the spins, all this other stuff, rather than taking a pathologized view of an autistic person, uh, making an autistic character, it's an autistic person as a character with all the richness that comes with being weird and quirky and avoidant and all having these relationship foibles and all this other stuff, which makes it a grand representation because, again, he wrote it. He's autistic. He didn't know he was autistic, but he wrote from his right. own experiences, thus bringing an autistic experience to it. Yeah. So, so okay. Yeah. So what this brings up for me, because I like to, I'm a third generation Italian American and I like to think about autistic culture, like my Italian American heritage, my Italian American culture. And 
uh, I was not invited to Christmas with my family this year, but yes. Yep. Yeah. I know we're in the club. Um, but I wanted to experience some Italian American culture. So we went to an Italian restaurant. We actually went to two, but, um, we went to an Italian restaurant that was run by Eastern Europeans (laughs) and it was terrible Italian food. Now, listen, it's probably fine Italian food. You would probably like it. I don't know what bad Mexican food is probably, but I was like, I know there is not an Italian American in that kitchen. I am Uh, eating uh, this uh, pasta and I can tell you this is, and I know that like I, as soon as I walk into an Italian restaurant, there was one on the there was one on the corner near my office once and it just wasn't run by Italians. Lovely people who made Italian food. I, I'm just curious to see what German Italian food is. Uh, oh, no, Ukrainian no, more Italian like Serbian. Food. It's more like it's Serbian. Serbian Italian food. It's, it's just fascinating. The spices are a little off. Like once I was in India, actually for my wedding in India, and there was, a, I think, like a Hyatt hotel and on the top floor they had an Italian restaurant and it was Italian food that tasted like Indian food. It was like, I don't know, a little garam masala in it or something. It was like mind-blowing. A a mistranslation of food. That's wonderful. They did all the things. Like it was semolina flour and pasta and tomatoes and it just I'm sure they even had a recipe up. Maybe it was my grandmother's recipe. It just didn't taste like Italian food. So then I was like uh, bummed about this. That was our Christmas Eve meal. I was bummed about this. And so the next day we went to Pepe's Pizza, which is like famous Italian New Haven pizza. I grew up in Connecticut and it was perfection. There were Italian people in that kitchen. I could fucking tell. And I've had lots of great pizza. I order Domino's like, and I know they support pro-life things. I can't be perfect. I need pizza sometimes. Like, Ah. Like, I love all pizza, but I can tell when it's proper Italian American New Haven pizza. You probably can't. You didn't eat it from the time you were two. Like I have been eating Italian American. I know Italian American culture. And I'm watching Jenna Ortega on this Jimmy Kimmel show, whatever the hell it was. I'm watching this TikTok and I'm like, this is not autistic culture. It's something. It's somebody performing autistic culture. Like there was the Ballo Italian restaurant at the Mohegan Sun Casino where I ate my Christmas Eve dinner. There were some people who were paying tribute to Italian American culture, but that is not Italian food, my friends. That is a tribute to Italian food. (laughs) And I think Wednesday is a tribute to autistic culture. But the reason why I had my PDA reaction, and I don't want to speak for you, but maybe yours is like, oh, this is a tribute to autistic culture by some well-meaning holistics. But can I either just have my grandmother's pasta or not? I I definitely agree with that assessment because again, I think that uh, Tim Burton left to his own devices, something along the line of like Victor, his first ever short film, very, very autistic coded. It was stop motion uh, about uh, narrated, uh, no, Vincent, Vincent, sorry, uh, narrated by Vincent Price about essentially Tim Burton as a boy living his dark imagination. 
very, very autistic because again, it was just him with Vincent Price narrating. Yeah. And he controlled everything about this. So you are leading me to my next question, which Ooh. was, but Tim Burton is there. Yeah. Why didn't he just fucking cast? Why didn't he cast Chloe from Heartbreak High? Why didn't he cast somebody who is autistic? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. What? Like what? Why are we? Ca- and then I got the answer. Ooh. And it goes back to my first observation. That girl's hot. There you go. So I want to <laughs> talk. Been solved. <laughs> Mystery solved. Like he's got to put butts in seats. He's got to get, I mean, he got 3 million people. He wants a second season. He wants all the things you want if you're in business. And this girl is very conventionally attractive. And I started thinking a lot about pretty privilege. Yes, very much so. So there is another character on the show. Um, Matt, he will be much closer to your heart. He may be played by an autistic. I don't know, but I want you to watch. His name is Eugene. He's a beekeeper. He's obsessed with bees. I love me a beekeeper. And he does not have pretty privilege. Yeah. So throughout all of Wednesday... Everybody wants to make Wednesday happy. Wednesday sort of said she's asexual, but everyone's still hooking her up. Wednesday has said she's a loner, but everyone wants her to like hug and go to parties and dance. And But nobody's doing this to Eugene. No one's like, hey, Eugene, come to our parties. Hey, Eugene, why don't you kiss a girl? Nobody's doing that at all. Well, guess what Eugene is, is he's super social. He desperately wants friends. He is like a... Um, a bee who wants to live in a colony, Ooh. like a worker bee, like he wants a queen and a community. And he is like forced to be a solitary bee alone on his own. Ouch. And no one is trying to push him into anything different. But Jenna Ortega's character, I know I'm supposed to call her Wednesday, but it's really Jenna Ortega that we're featuring Um, Because this is the everybody fall in love with Jenna Ortega show. She needs to have (laughs) some sort of transformation. So you know what's super fun when somebody's broken, like let's say they're a loner and we fix them. Let's say they make out with cute boys and go to parties. And you transform from being asexual to heterosexual. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, we don't need to do that for Eugene. Why don't we need to do that for Eugene? We don't want the Eugene, we don't want Eugene to make friends and be happy and have a partner and make friends. No, Eugene hang out with the fucking bees. Yeah. So I'm like, this is what's happening. So when autistic, actually autistic people have these same traits that I read to you about her, monotropic, loner, blunt, all those things. We get bullied. We get stigmatized. We get Mm -hmm. marginalized. Like you watch Eugene do and nobody seems worried about it because Eugene's just fucking weird. Yeah. But Jen Ortega, who has all these characteristics... She's not weird. She needs to be fixed. And great news. We have designed this TV show to fix her. 
I, I discovered way back with Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump that this country loves disabled characters as long as they're played by conventionally attractive, abled actors. I fucking mean. I knew there was something that was bothering me and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And as I started to dig in and watch these episodes, like I didn't feel represented just like I didn't get the Christmas Eve dinner that I wanted. Um, But then I realized that wasn't the anger though. I feel not represented all the time. The anger was like, oh, we're going to have a fucking makeover show. Yeah. And why? Because she's hot. Like this, we don't need to have the makeover show with the actually not loner, like the actual one who wants friends. We're going to make over the loner. She is very happy. She sets, Wednesday sets super clear boundaries with her friends. She's like, don't touch me. Don't ask me to wear color, brightly colored clothes that it gives me hives. Don't uh, talk to me when I don't want to be talked to. She, she sets super clear boundaries. Nobody respects her boundaries. So instead of a show where we explore, like, what does it look like to have a friend who prefers solitude? I have an amazing best friend who's holistic, and she totally, she, and she's studied, like, she's done her work, but she also asked me a lot of questions. And she totally knows I've never had a friend like this before when to check in on me, when to give me space. When she like asks me, like, would you like physical closeness right now? And she listens to my boundaries and doesn't try and impose. She would probably like more hugs or small talk, but she doesn't impose that on me. She like learns, respects my boundaries. And it makes me do the same thing with her. I'll be like, am I supposed to hug you right now? What's the thing? What's the thing you want right now? What do we do? And she's like, that would be nice. And then it's like so much easier for me to do because she's respecting my boundaries. Instead, it's a fucking makeover show where Enid is gonna like hook her up. There's like, she's already said she's, um, asexual or aromantic or whatever, but that's all going to change because she is going to see the miracle of the holistic ways. And that is, that's uh, slightly horrifying, not, not only from an autistic perspective, but from a uh, perspective of, you know, the Adams family in general, because the running theme throughout the entirety of the Adams family is that all the Adamses are perfectly happy being Adamses. Mm-hmm. The, there are often outsiders, there are often neurotypical representations that come to the house and say, man, this is so weird and ooky and kooky. And, you know, describing the difference between them and literally anyone else. And inevitably, uh, Gomez is going to blow up a train or, you know, stick a smoking cigar into his you know pocket or Morticia is just going to, you know, clip all the roses buds off of the roses because Mm. she likes the thorns. (laughs) They're going to continue doing what they do and be very, very happy doing it because there's nothing wrong with us to be fixed by outsiders, especially we're, we're not targets of makeovers. Right. So one of the big makeover themes in Wednesday is, um, So Morticia and Gomez met apparently at Nevermore Academy and they fell in love. And they have, I even remember this from the 1964 show, like they have a very warm relationship. 
And so in this, they're very much in love. They're like lovey-dovey parents that might embarrass you. And um, we're going to talk about mom stuff. Let's see how I do here. Uh, (laughs) Her mom wants that for her. She's like, you're going to Nevermore. You could meet your Gomez. You could have your love story like mommy and daddy had. I want that for you. And so she's pushing her to like boys instead of seeing her for who she is. And where my resistance, now obviously I didn't know this was in there because I was avoiding watching it. But one of the things that was so painful to me in watching it is like, I've always wanted my mom to see me for who I is, who I am. In her case, she's asexual, she's a loner, and she does not want to fall in love at Nevermore Academy. She wants to be seen and accepted for who she is by her mom, not pushed into being someone that would give her mom a good story to tell. Yeah. And that seems completely against the character of Morticia. I can't, I mean, in any other incarnation, I can't imagine Morticia, well, uh, they did send them to, well, they were horrified by sending them to summer camp, but they thought that the kids wanted to go to summer camp. Well, I, I think that makes the point because in Adam's family values, Morticia and Gomez are told that Pugsley and Wednesday want to go to summer camp and they're both horrified by that. But they say, <laughs> well, but if that's what they want, we shall we'll make let it them do it. Maybe they're exactly. summer camp people. We're not summer camp people. Yeah. And they they go and visit the summer camp and try to be supportive and say, oh, yes, the sun. And they're they're miserable the entire time, but they say, if this is what you want. And, of course, the kids say, this is not what we want. And they said, well, the note said that you would say this is not what you want, but we respect you as individuals, <laughs> so we will give you what you want because the whole subplot with Debbie. But anyway, but that's the thing. They, they explicitly make ways for the kids to be themselves without that judgment. Right. But did I mention Jenna Ortega's hot? Of course. (laughs) We cannot waste that sort of youth and sexual vigor on an asexual person. It's Hollywood. That that is tragic. That that's yeah, that's incredibly unfortunate. And that that promotes even more stuff about this because there are a lot of uh, neurotypical practitioners who won't diagnose a person as autistic if they want to be social, if they want friends. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason they think that we are a monolith who are not traumatized by interacting with holistics, but we we just do not want friends like Wednesday does. Right. So when someone who, you know, wants who is asexual who is a romantic voices up you know if if she was not conventionally attractive i'm sure they would say oh yeah that's perfectly fine if if she had skin problems or if she was overweight or if she had uh, if she had spotty hair or any other thing that made her less than physically attractive I think that it would be accepted. But again, because of the conventional attractiveness of the actress, it it becomes a an imperative to get that girl hooked up. Yeah, that's going to get people tuning into season two. Will and they or won't they? <laughs> and, and that's why Netflix, it's their highest rated show, because instead of appealing to a purely autistic audience, they, they go for the lowest common denominator and say, hey, pretty person might get it on so check out next week we'll see if it happens 
We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that L-P-P, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. It is nice. And and you heard some of those lovely comments from the group. It is nice to be represented um mm-hmm. for sure i'm glad everyone's saying how great autistic people are there's so many like wednesday memes but i'm like oh you're saying we're great if you can win us over or change us or fix us and yeah. i'm like that's when it oh and when we're hot yeah um so I have a quote from you for you and this here hit us with this. This is a uh, Laura Newell Barrett uh, on Facebook as well. This phenomenon in film and television is arguably a contributor to stigma and lack of knowledge and understanding around neurodivergence, particularly in girls and marginalized people, where such traits are put down to quirkiness or part of an ill-defined otherness. It leaves many not knowing who they truly are and without support. Autistic and otherwise neurodivergent people deserve proper representation, confirmed and acted by those with lived experience. The nature of autistic coding means that we are still further away from this than we should be, and it means wider acceptance is a long way off. So, while you are raving about Wednesday, perhaps take a moment to consider how you react to those traits if they were in front of you. Are you accepting neurodivergence off the screen too? I, I totally agree because, for instance, like The Big Bang Theory, one of the most popular shows ever, it's got a spinoff Young Sheldon, but... In both cases, it's essentially a, a neurodivergent minstrel show. It's mm-hmm. autistic face rather than autistic mm. representation. And people, again, people love autism as long as it's played by someone that they are comfortable with instead of dealing with the discomfort of an actually autistic person. Right. Hashtag not actually autistic. That is why I have this question mark. Autistic traits, yes. Adam's family, part of the autistic culture legacy, yes. Tim Burton, autistic, yes. But this is autistic face. Wednesday, in my opinion, is not autistic culture. I I think that that's a well-argued argument. At some point, I will eventually check out the show. But uh, again, that, check uh, it out. Do it for Eugene. Get get to the I, beekeeper episode so you can tell me if you think Eugene's one of us. I do like a good beekeeper for some I reason. I do too. I do too. Maybe we'll do beekeeping as autistic. But for now, Matt, tell me what is one thing you loved about being autistic this week? Uh, one thing that I love is that I am getting ready to do a training. And by the time this airs, uh, it, the training will be over. But it's a three-part training about how to help 
teachers, especially holistic teachers, understand and work with autistic children. And this is open to the public, and we might even be able to put a link in. Uh, but I am I'm going to be educating people from an autistic perspective on how to understand, accommodate, and appreciate appreciate being the most important part, autistic people, because a lot of these trainings are done by holistics who don't really get us. Again, it's it's people who observe us from the outside and try to convert us, much like everyone in Wednesday's life. Because again, it's well-meaning holistics to say, ah, oh, yes, you're not like me. I want to help you become more like me. Let instead me help. Of becoming, yeah, yeah. Instead of becoming the best us that we can be. So my goal is to help people understand that, you know, we, there's nothing wrong with us, that we like who we are, and that you can definitely help us by understanding us and helping us be the best us we can be. Yeah. And um, I think that's why, especially to holistic people, but even some autistic people, ABA's approach make sort of like organic set or like natural set. It's obviously horrible, but it's like, oh, we could fix these problems. She can meet a boy. She could fall in love. She could be happy. Like she was happy before you tried to change her. But I think that most people, especially like most teachers or young OTs or PTs that get sucked into the ABA approach are well-meaning, misguided, but well-meaning. And so putting training out there by an actually autistic person, team, is so important. And and that's one of the things that I really like about this training because my co-presenter, Maisie, I'm going to mangle her last name. I apologize, Maisie, if you're listening. Maisie Santantio, she is an autistic woman. She is an ex-ABA person because she got into the ABA field in order to help autistic people before she realized that this is not the way. Before she realized that, yeah, that... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, trying to make the world allistic, like trying to make Wednesday allistic, it's just not the way. So I hope that we are able to convince a lot of people, especially a lot of autistic ABA practitioners to, you know, learn a new way to help autistic people, uh, that we are able to help uh, parents who have been duped into ABA as, because again, ABA is advertised as the gold standard in fixing the tisms. Mm. So I I hope that we're able to enlighten a lot of people and teach a lot of people how to more successfully help autistic people live long and healthy autistic lives. Love it. Well, we'll put links to Maisie's work and maybe even this class in the show notes. So check it out. Um, If you loved Wednesday, I, I get you. I talked to a lot of autistic people who truly felt seen and there are some autistic traits in there that you can feel connected to. So I I am definitely not trashing your experience. Share with us in the comments, argue with me. This is just my perspective. Um, And I was trying to answer some of my own questions about why I wasn't feeling the Wednesday excitement the way I wanted to. But if you're feeling it, I don't want to steal your joy. Uh, I put the question mark there. You can argue with my question mark. Matt, thank you for spending time with me today talking about Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. 
If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner, dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Thank you.